Welcome to the Mind Speaking Podcast, where we talk about the human side of data. In other words, data, communication, and personal development. My name is Gilbert Eikelboom. I'm driven by curiosity, and my aim is to spread insights that you can apply in your life starting today. So, let's do it. Let's start Mind Speaking. Today's episode is the reason why I started this podcast. Because... I love conversations driven by curiosity. And that's what we did today. Curiosity was a main theme. Because today's guest is Joao Souza. Built a career in data analytics in different roles as a practitioner, as a consultant at McKinsey, and also more recently as a director of growth of a modern data stack vendor. As mentioned, we talked about curiosity a lot. And I got very curious about his ideas, his ideas about how leaders can develop a more proactive data team, the mindset he learned at McKinsey, and what he sees as the most important communication skills, and how to develop them. Joao talked about how to tell stories with data and grab the attention of your audience, and how to make people more open for your ideas. And this, of course, is a very important skills skill in the data world. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and I hope it feeds your curiosity. Enjoy. Joao, hola. Tudo bem? Hola. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining today. We had a initial conversation a few weeks ago or months ago maybe already and I really enjoyed that and I think there's so much more to explore about about you, about your vision on data analytics and the gap between data and business. So I'm very excited. And uh, what is special about your profile, if I look at your history, is that you speak several languages, right? You're trilingual. So you speak English, Portuguese, and, and Spanish. Um, what does that teach you about, you know, speaking different languages? How does it help you in the data world? It's a good question. I think, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Really exciting to, to be here. I think at the end of the day, data is kind of another language. So I think the fact that one, when one speaks different languages, uh, on the one hand, it makes us kind of adapt to different situations and and kind of adapt to different audiences because um, usually we're not so comfortable in foreign languages as we are in our mother, mother language. So it kind of forces us to adapt to different audiences to different situations. And on the other hand, I think data is also a new language to some extent in, due to the, the whole technical um, jargon and, and specific terms. So I think it's just uh, the fourth language uh, on my on my skill set. So I think that's definitely an interesting comparison. Absolutely. And even four languages now. And, and you live in Berlin, right? In Germany. So the next question is, when will you add the fifth one, the, the German one? Are you going to be fluent? <laughs> <laughs> that one is definitely harder than, than any of the other four, but I'm definitely working on it. Uh, yeah, so trying trying to improve that as well. But I guess it's the hardest one out of the, the four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so such a difficult one, right? For people that uh, come from Portugal, from Spain, from, from France, it's it's so hard to, to learn German. For us, it's pretty pretty easy, relatively easy. My girlfriend is German, so I, I had to learn it a bit better than in high school because in high school it was pretty pretty bad. So I took some courses, um, but I agree with you. If you learn a new language, it's kind of uncomfortable and you need to uh, try to understand their position. There's a lot of cultural differences that you need to take to, into account. Um, so much we can, we can learn. And that's also what I took away from the last conversation we had, which was not recorded, but I really saw you as a person with an open mind and curious and to understand the other side and that's also what i want to talk about today a lot um but first uh let's let's talk about a bit about you so can you tell us a bit about yourself uh, how you grew up yeah absolutely so i'm i'm originally from porto portugal and i spent most of my life there and um, my background so i'm an industrial engineering by training and then i've been working in the data analytics industry across different roles so right out of the, uh, right after university, I started to work as a data analyst slash data science, kind of a mix between both. And and back then is when I really started to realize, okay, there's definitely a gap between the technical um, side of things and the business side. So there's this this gap 
between data and business, uh, which kind of got me intrigued back then. And I also wanted to learn more about the business side of things. So back then I shifted my, my career into strategy consulting, where then I joined McKinsey um, and company. So I was based in Portugal, worked across different industries, different business functions. So in terms of industries ranging from hospitality to telecommunications, in terms of functions ranging from procurement to marketing and sales. So I did a lot of different things. I was working mainly in Portugal, Spain, a bit of Latin America as well. And yeah, after some time, I wanted to go back to data analytics world because at the end of the day, that's really my passion. I did have the chance to work a bit on data analytics project at McGinsey, but was not the core. So I wanted to go back to data analytics, also the startup scene. So I came across this opportunity here at Causa. The, um, the mission and the value proposition resonated with me a lot as a former data analyst myself. Um, I guess we're going to explore this throughout the call, but in a nutshell, so basically, um, augmenting data analysts so that they can focus on what's inherently human, specifically generate insights, interpret the results, communicate with stakeholders, influence decision-making. And that's basically my vision for the data analyst role. And this is something I'm really passionate about. And I also write a lot about on, on LinkedIn, how to elevate the data analyst role and how I envision the data analyst role. And I saw in Causa a way to enable this transition and to support this movement. So that was um, my major motivation when joining Cows already one year and four months ago. And yeah, so I joined Cows in the beginning. It was all about figuring out the go-to-market uh, strategy, working a lot with, with data leaders, data practitioners, and, and that's been the ride so far. So more on the commercial side, working very closely with, with data leaders and data teams. Wow, that's, that's really interesting to hear your background and so many things come together there with your background at McKinsey and your data work as a data scientist or data analyst. So many things come together. And before we dive into the data world and the, and the gap between data and business and these kind of topics, what, what have you taken from your experience at McKinsey? Because McKinsey is a very famous company, of course, where a lot of smart people work. What have you learned that there? Have you learned any skills or mindsets that you still apply today? Yeah, great question. I would I would emphasize three points. So I think at McKinsey, I learned how to learn fast. And uh, in, in any new project, one is usually out of the comfort zone because it's a new interest, a new business function. So I think one of the, the key learnings for me or a key development points was really about whenever there is a new project or something that we're not familiar with, how can one learn a lot in a short period of time and kind of absorb all this knowledge from other people, industry experts or from more experienced people and how to prioritize. So what is essential to learn and kind of not get lost in all the details and all the noise and just focus on the core and what's actually required to to proceed and, and, and be successful in that. So I think this is the first one. The second one is the importance of communication skills. While as in management consulting, one spends a lot of time doing research and doing quantitative analysis to make the best recommendations possible. But as this is crucial, of course, but as important is to spend enough time thinking how to communicate these insights and how to make sure that the audience will understand these insights. So we have to put a lot of emphasis on communication to make sure that our audience understands what we're trying, the message we're trying to convey. So this, I think it was the two the, the second main learning and the third one was the main learning I think was about being structured so every time there's a complex problem approach it in a very structured way and breaking down a big complex problem into smaller components and smaller chunks that we can tackle and, and solve piece by piece to then bring the puzzle together so I think that to wrap it up I think it was all about learning how to learn fast how we, second, how important the communication skills are, and and third, uh, being structured in in approaching complex problems. Awesome, yeah, and of course, I like the the emphasis on communication because that's what I'm trying to preach uh, uh, to to too many people how important it is. But I also like the 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 fact that you say the first point, so learning how to learn. And I think it's such an important skill, maybe even the most important skill we can learn, right? In this world that changes so fast, and you constantly need to gain new knowledge and, and work with new people and um and if you have this learning mindset i think you can do everything 
Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is crucial in, in for today's world, as you mentioned. Change is faster than ever. Um, and I think, like for me personally, I realized that my time in management consulting that I learned best from other people. So I really learned best by being curious, asking questions, drilling down, <clears throat> going deeper, talking to people that are way more experienced and kind of prepare some questions in advance and then also show interest in going deeper in topics. That's personal to me what works best, but I know other people prefer maybe reading on their own or, or exploring on their own. But I think kind of I would really recommend and emphasize a combination of both because I think um, learning from others and also brainstorming together, um, it's a great way to... To, and just be curious. It's a great way to just keep learning every single day. Absolutely. Do you have any questions that you often ask or that you often prepare before meeting with someone or that you often ask to dive deeper and to understand more about what the other person is thinking or saying? Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question. Uh, what, what I usually like to do in the beginning is kind of try to frame the discussion points or the structure because from my experience when there isn't a clear structure or, or, or points to cover I think sometimes one gets a bit lost in the conversation especially when we have a lot to cover in a short period of time so I usually like in the beginning to kind of lay out what I would be interested in knowing more about and making sure that we start with the, from the high level to the details so first cover the basics the high level perspective and then try to break it down into several components and then cover one by one. So for instance, as an example, I was I was the other day discussing with data leaders how to measure or assess the data maturity of a team. And we came up with a structure based on four key elements of so people, processes, tools, and culture. And then once we frame the discussion this way, then it's easier to go factor by factor or element by element and really discuss what this means and how to assess it. So that's the way I usually like to go about it. Right. And I, I, I see a lot of benefits for using such a structure. And the, the question that pops into my mind while we're talking about this is, uh, are there situations where such a structured approach is non-beneficial or where there's, there's, this is a, actually an obstacle for, for getting anywhere? What do you think? It's a good question. I do think in some situations, less structure is actually positive. So I think when the goal is learning the most in a short period of time, I think structure is critical because we have to make sure that we're, we're focusing our time on, on what matters the most and kind of lay out a structure and then go deeper. It's the right way to do it. On the other hand, when it's something more creative, especially for team brainstorming, actually going bottom up, so kind of writing down some ideas and then find a structure later to kind of tie back everything together, I think might actually work best for more creative, for more exploratory um work streams so for instance if we're brainstorming something that's very greenfield or very new or or where there isn't a clear structure yet i think then uh, it might make sense to to kind of forget a bit the structure and and be a bit more not so structured yeah mm -hmm. right i've been th i've been thinking about this uh this topic quite a lot lately because i'm constantly trying to improve my training as well and the training is consists at least for in my training consists of 10 participants and they all have different needs, right? But you always need to get kind of a structure that fits for everyone. But I try to keep the flexibility to, so that people that are curious about one topic are able to explore that, right? Without distracting the whole group. So this, these kind of dynamics are, are very interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a challenge to manage such a group where they have different starting points. What, what have worked really well for, for you? I'm curious. Yeah, what what I try to do is, is is a few things. First of all, assess the skill level of people, uh, so to understand uh, what skills people have. For example, if you talk about data storytelling, are they just starting out, no idea how to structure a narrative, or do a visualization, make a visualization, or are they maybe more advanced? Are they really good data visualizers, and can they? craft a story from their from their insights so i try to group those people together there might also be benefits to group to uh, mix them to have the advanced teacher and the junior student uh, but i think there's also quite a big downfall where the advanced person doesn't learn as much um, but it's it's still useful in a kind of mentor role but in training i try to have everyone at the same level uh, what i also ask is what what are you interested in so before you start the training program 
the, the, the three sessions, the, the three month program, I ask people, what do you want to learn? So I try to not just tailor the content to the, to their preferences, but also to uh, make them accountable, you know, to motivate them to work towards that goal and to coach them in that direction. Because if I know there's one person wanting uh, to become better at persuading other people with their data, um, then if there's an opportunity for them to do a role play or an exercise, I might invite them or stimulate them or remind them that they have this learning goal so that they move closer in that direction. No, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it seems like a great approach. Thank you. Yeah, so we have uh, talked a bit, a little bit about the, the gap between data and business. And later, I also want to talk more about the data analyst role, how you evaluate that role and what's your what's your vision. Uh, but first about the gap between data and business. What do, do you see a gap and talk to us about it? What, what is your vision? What are the, the problems you see? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting question that can be seen from different, different perspectives. I think on the one hand, there's definitely a decision gap. So like 90% of the data was generated over the last two years. So data is growing exponentially, both in volume and complexity. And at the same time, businesses are changing faster than ever. As you mentioned, like things in general, everything is changing faster than ever. So what's the implication? Business have to make decisions faster than ever, and they have to be agile. Otherwise, they fall behind their competition. So this puts pressure on the data side because business stakeholders need insights fast at the speed of business. However, due to this increasing uh, complexity in terms of data volume and, and data complexity by itself, so more, more types of data, and new data collected and so on, data teams usually struggle to provide all the insights at the speed of business. And I feel so basically the data teams struggle to meet the expectations of the business stakeholders. And this is something that definitely I see um, on many data teams by, by speaking with, with many data leaders. This is definitely a decision gap. On, on the one hand, um, just to kind of cover gaps from two different dimensions. So I think this is kind of um, a decision gap. So the expectations are not met and data is not living up to the expectations of what the business requires. On the other hand, there is definitely a gap when it comes to communication skills. So data teams usually struggle to adapt their communication in a way that business stakeholders understand. And business stakeholders like the technical expertise and experience in data to also communicate with the, with the data colleagues. Um, so there's usually there are a lot of misunderstandings. Sometimes data people find something that they think it's interesting in the data, but they struggle to communicate and then get frustrated because the business stakeholders don't see the value in the insights. So I see, I see gaps in these two dimensions. And I think at the end of the day, the implication of these two gaps is Business are not leveraging the data to the maximum extent, and there's a lot of hidden value in the data and in the insights that data analysts find and the business doesn't appreciate. I know it's been a long answer, but I definitely I definitely see the gap in from these two angles. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And imagine, you know, if because I, I believe as well, there's so much undiscovered or unfulfilled uh, value right now. So imagine the, the the size of the data market, right? In five or 10 years when we maybe not solve this issue, but maybe narrow it down. And um, I see that the, the two yeah, dynamics that you that you mentioned are the two, the two problems. You mentioned communication skills. What, what type of communication skills do you see uh, most important for, for people who work in data? Yeah, great question. I think I, I would emphasize three main skills. The first one is in terms of communication. The first one is the ability to zoom out and focus and, and speak from a high level perspective. These not only communication skills, also the ability really to zoom out and forget all the details, forget all the technical things, forget how the sausage was made and just focus on the so what and communicate from a high level perspective and then to and then go down to the details if needed. If not, no one really cares how the sausage is made. Because I think it's the first one. The second one is the ability to understand the audience. So the ability to take a step back, develop empathy for the audience that we're targeting and say, okay, this is what my audience cares about. So this is 
this is what I'm going to focus on and really cater for the audience. The third one, I think, is the ability to get to be structured when communicating. Uh, from my experience, usually data people kind of um, communicate in a very detailed way and not so easy to follow for business stakeholders. And I think the, it, usually it's missing some structure. Yes. And about that last point, I love that you often speak in three things, right? Three bullet points. You're announcing what you're about to say and then you say it and sometimes you even summarize it. So um, without you saying it explicitly, I think is a fantastic example in this podcast already, how you can structure your answers or your your uh, conversations. Um, because by announcing what you're going to say and what three points, it's, it's very structured. And for me as a listener, it's very easy to follow, even though all the thoughts are new. Uh, so this is a great tip for listeners who yeah, want to uh, communicate more clearly announce what you're going to say and then say it and maybe even summarize for uh, for clarity. Um, you mentioned develop empathy and to the ability to understand the audience. How, how do you do that? Because some people working in the data space, they might think about empathy is something you have with your spouse or your girlfriend or your uh, boyfriend. Um, how, do, how do you see empathy in the data world and how can we yeah, use it or develop it? Great question. Um, so the best data analysts I've worked with and I've been seen in the industry are just the most curious. I think the way they develop empathy is by sitting together with the business stakeholders and just asking questions, just asking like, what are top priorities for you? Just maybe sitting there once a day a week for, let's say I'm a data analyst that focuses on marketing. I'm a marketing data analyst as an example. The best ones I see, they sit together with their, their marketing colleagues and they just absorb all the knowledge and just ask questions. Okay, what does this metric mean? Why is this important to you? Um, okay, you, I, I share this insight with you. What are you going to do? What actions can you take? How does this help in your job? What's most relevant for you? What do you struggle most? I think it's all about being curious and all about immersing oneself into the stakeholders world. I think, especially when people come from very technical backgrounds, um, the natural tendency is to overfocus a lot on technical details and discuss a lot of technical details. While I think technical skills are definitely um, useful and and data analysis is very definitely a technical profile, I do think that they would benefit by just going for lunch with their business colleagues, for example, and just absorbing the communications and asking questions. I think there's a lot that can be done. My main recommendation, from what I've been seeing, is just be curious and immerse yourself in, in your stake, into your stakeholders world. Yeah, I like that approach because while, while you were speaking, I was, I was thinking that makes total sense. And of course you can learn questions by heart and, you know, thinking, okay, I'm now I'm going to ask these questions, but if you just become very curious, then it's so easy because the, the questions will come automatically, right? Just like in the conversation here we're having now, of course, I prepared a few topics, um, but what I'm mainly interested in is what questions are popping up in my mind and how can we dive deeper spontaneously? And I think all the data analysts can take a similar approach with business stakeholders, but they do have to have time and sit with those people. Otherwise that conversation never happens. That's a great point. You also mentioned, you talk about uh, the role of a trusted advisor that pe that data analysts need to become a trusted advisor. What do you, what do you mean with that? First of all? Yeah, I think that's that's, a, that's also, I think, a um, critical point when defining and trying to elevate the data analyst role. Oftentimes, data analysts are perceived as people that are responsible for pulling data, for updating dashboards. So it's basically a support function when it comes to everything data related. I'm not saying this applies to every company. I say it applies to um, a fair amount of data, of companies and data teams. And I, I do believe and what I've been seeing that this is changing. I think it's still the reality in most companies. So what I'm referring to is every time dashboard is down, we ask the data um, analyst. Every time a stakeholder needs some data, the data analyst is there. Every time there is a question, the business stakeholder asks this typical quick Slack question that sometimes it's one analysis that takes a week. So I think the, the data teams and specific data analysts have been perceived as a support function. 
And the way I envision this position is to shift from reactive to proactive and basically become trust advisors, powered by data, of course. So if I'm a business stakeholder and I want to optimize my marketing budget every single day, I have my trusted advisor next to me, the the marketing data analyst, that proactively comes to me with recommendations powered by data. And we work together. So I understand that if I'm a business stakeholder in marketing, I understand more about marketing. The data analyst understands more about data. But we need to collaborate very closely. And the data analyst plays this role of trust advisor that proactively shares insights instead of just reacting and answering tickets or answering quicks like questions. Yeah, because I, I think many people can relate to those quick questions, right, that turn out to be a month or a week long, uh, long work. How, and if that if that happens, because I, I see why you want to move to a proactive approach, but these quick questions might still come to you, right? So how, what are your suggestions to, to how to deal with that? It's not easy. Um, I have to, to be honest, I've been working with many teams and it's not easy. And there's, I mean, data analysts can only do a part of it. At the end of the day, time back to our initial discussion about data analytics maturity, I think this requires work across the four key elements, people, processes, culture, and tools. So by people, I mean the roles have to be well-defined and this role of trust advisor has to be spread out across the organizations, right? So that's, we need to educate the business stakeholders and the whole business so that they understand that they cannot simply sh- shoot questions to data analysts and ask a lot of requests. This is the first one. Second one, from a culture perspective, businesses need to work on data literacy, need to work on educating business stakeholders on how important data is and how we should handle data and what the roles um, should be doing. Also requires a really good data team leaders who also know how to push back and prioritize requests. So that's also critical. So we've covered people and culture. The others two are processes and tools, right? In terms of processes, and this ties a bit back to the data leader role, I think data leaders need to develop processes that avoid these situations or at least protect partially the data analysts from falling into these um, support ticketing <laughs> handlers. Um, so I think processes are also key in terms of streamlining work and making sure and avoiding these kind of situations. And the last one is tools. Um, and by tools, I mean everything, any tool that can automate what machines can do the best. So it can be in the data quality um, so that the data teams are proactive in identifying data issues instead of business stakeholders saying our dashboard is down and then the data analysts spend hours firefighting. This is one dimension. Another dimension is also tools like augmented analytics, for instance, like Causa. So automating the um, manual slicing and dicing required for root cause analysis so that analysts save a lot of time and then can focus on partnering up with business stakeholders and influencing them and and communicating. Because to your point, I mean, um, while I see that most data analysts should improve their data communication skills, they also need time for it. If they spend most of the time firefighting, they don't really have the time to influence business stakeholders and communicating insights, right? So that's also a requirement for them to excel in their jobs. Yeah, I like that you bring up that point because it's 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 often what, what people say, right? So, adding more training or more things to their already existing huge plate of work, it's uh, it's it's hard. And I think there's a big role of the, the team lead or the data leaders to yeah to, to make sure they def- the, the whole team develops a more proactive mindset in that sense. And also that business stakeholders know what type of questions to ask and not just if they have a question, hey, how many products did we sell between 13th of August and uh, 14th of July, um, so almost all year, <laughs> then uh, then it, it's probably not very valuable to just know that number. Uh, it might be worthwhile to sit down and see what they actually want to find out. Yeah. You um, So you talk about a trusted advisor. Do you know this, this book? I'm not sure about the author. Um, there's also a book called Trusted Advisor. Do you know about it? No, but okay. I'm curious. Yeah, curious. it's 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 a pretty good book. It's by um, Robert Galford and two two other authors. So it's called the Trusted Advisor. It's it's from last year. So it's a pretty recent book. It's it's quite insightful, and I think it's not a book about data, but of course you can get 
knowledge from it and you touch upon a lot of points already that are in the book um so maybe you secretly uh, wrote the book um but uh but there's there's a lot of good insights in there also there's the the trust equation so they try to kind of frame this uh the the concept of trust which is very vague and abstract into an equation and um maybe you, you know about it but it's credibility reliability intimacy uh so those all um make they build trust if you show them and self-orientation they the breaks trust so the credibility reliability and intimacy are on the top all divided by self-orientation so to which extent do you care about the goals of the people in front of you and i think that's again related to the empathy story that you mentioned how to understand their world their perspective Absolutely. I think, I mean, I'm glad you brought this, this trust equation. So I don't, I don't know the book. I just wrote it down. I'm curious, but I, I've heard about this equation before and it makes totally sense to me. And I think, again, tying back to how to build empathy, as you, as you just mentioned, if you want to build intimacy and also reduce your, your, your self-orientation, you need to spend time with business stakeholders. And that's, that's the way to go, not only to build trust, but also to really, as you mentioned, to really understand their world and then adapt communication so that, um, so that data analysts can communicate effectively to influence decisions and increase the value of, the, of their work. So totally, yeah. I would like to uh, to zoom out a little from, from the data world and uh, ask you a different question because you, you mentioned curiosity a few times or several times and also in our last conversation. Uh, and I always like it, the topic about curiosity. So I'm, cu- I'm curious, what, what is something that you're curious about right now? in your work or in your life or whatever it's a great question i'm i've been ex- exploring a bit topic um so I'm, I'm curious about learning how to make people more open to new ideas to something that they they either never consider or they never saw as as important to them so why why is this relevant just for your context? So I, I for context I speak with two or three data leaders usually a day, and most of the times when when bringing up Causa for instance since it's a very new technology, people don't know yet about the solution, and oftentimes I feel like the initial reaction is oh this is just another tool I mean there are so other tools we don't need it, which which is fair because most of them actually in fact might not need it right. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about learning more how to, to create an healthy tension in a way that prompts people to take a step back and reflect, okay, to what extent this, this might actually be helpful or valuable. So wrapping it up, so in a nutshell, is how to communicate new perspectives and how to try to challenge existing assumptions or preconceived ideas. So that's something I'm really curious about. Also touches a bit of psychology, I assume. And it's a very complex topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what, what have you learned so far while thinking or learning about this? So it's a tough, it's a complex topic, but I think what I've what I've learned so far is empathy goes a long way. So being able to actually in the beginning um, phrasing in, in their own words how they think about a specific topic or what they're struggling with, I think that goes a long way because it makes people feel he or she understands me, he or she understands my world. And this makes people become more open to new ideas. So this is this has been my, my major learning. So actually making people open to new ideas is crucial and and communicating their own words and show empathy. I think it's, it's really important. Um, then I think the second one and last one is kind of how to ask a thoughtful, provocative question that makes people take a step back and, oh, whoa, okay, I never thought about this in, in this way. This is something new to me. This is something I'm still learning, but I'm definitely passionate about and I do see a lot of value, for instance, also for data analysts. So this, I think it is a very hard communication skill to, to master. Tell us more about it. I'm very curious. Yeah, so I think I think the challenge here, and, and I assume it will resonate with, with your audience because I think data analysts also face these challenges. So 
when people have been doing certain in a specific way, certain activity or they go about, for instance, they go about decision making in a, in a certain way for years, it's very hard to change this habit, right? Or when you, when you, for instance, as an example, where you see or as a business stakeholders, when you perceive the data team as a dashboard factory, so just there to support requests, it's very hard to change this mindset. So how to go about it? And I think the two main learnings is the beginning. I think it's all in this tough conversation. It's all about showing some empathy and and making sure that the other person feels okay. He or she understands me, and kind of creating some common ground. And then it's all about make like creating a trigger that makes people take a step back and reflect. So, for instance, what if data analysts could be become your trusted advisor that proactive delivery insights? What would be the impact? on your activity. And this is such like an open question that makes people think twice, right? And take a step back. Um, or also think, have you, or also phrase it in a different way. Have you ever considered X? What would be the impact of X? So from my experience so far, I think this prompts people to take a step back and, and approach a, a question in a more thoughtful way. That's, that's very helpful. I'm also, uh taking notes of the conversation because I think you bring up great, great points. And by prompting these these questions, right, you make people think and imagine uh, a situation and what would be the impact for them. And I think you learn so much about their goals as, as well and their, their world by talking about the impact. And especially if you know about their goals and you know the impact of your proposed solution is going to be them reaching their goals, uh, it's, it's going to be one plus one is two, right? It's going to be very easy and that's that's why I like the question so much but I've also learned that is that the word imagine is very powerful so imagine the situation where you do this or that because bad people actually yes yeah their imagination turns on and and when they see it and feel it then it's so much easier to bring them to the the place you want them to be I love this. Uh, I think I totally resonate. And, and I just build on what you mentioned. I think this imagination also works really well when, when one tells a very compelling story. But for the story to work, so a story about another data team or another data situation, for this story to work, our audience needs to see themselves in this story. So for this to work, it requires a lot of empathy and a lot of homework. But if our audience, if they see themselves in their story, especially in the beginning, this is, I think, is the best way to drive change. But the story has to be, so lots of homework, it requires empathy, and the story has to be very well uh, conveyed. So short, concise, and to the point. But this can work really well. Yeah, great that you bring this up. I would love to talk a bit more about storytelling. Which direction do you want to take it? It's also a broad topic. Um, maybe I'm curious what uh, what usually what is your audience or data analysts in general most interested or what they struggle most with. Maybe we can try to cover that. Yeah, I think they relate very much to what you said in the beginning of our conversation about being a bit frustrated that they do have the insights, but people are not using them, or they do create a dashboard, but they see the statistics that people are not using it or really little. Um, yeah, so they, they really resonate with that that challenge. So what is the... Because storytelling sometimes is a daunting example. So first of all, I, I don't think storytelling is just visuals, visualizations. That's what many people think, but I disagree. Uh, I, I'm really with Brent Dykes there, and I think you, you're also a fan of his work. Yeah. That the net narrative is also important. Of course, the data, but the data is fairly easy for most people, but creating a narrative. What, what have you learned about creating a narrative? It's a great question. I think, um, so creating a narrative usually, especially when presenting to more senior stakeholders, I think the key, and I think most data analysts struggle with this, is grabbing their attention in the beginning. You have to grab their attention in the first 10 seconds. That's what I also learned a lot at McKinsey. And I think for these, you need to, you should start with the key takeaway or the key implication or consequence or business impact. So instead of saying we did this or we applied this method or we found that, no, like, so what? Start with the so what um, and then and then start to have like different layers. So I think 
depends on the audience, but I think for very senior audiences, this is crucial to grab their attention in the first 10 seconds and make the whole story concise and to the point uh, for, for very senior audiences, especially business stakeholders. Um, that would be my, my, main, my main point, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, because you usually have so little time, right, for for senior stakeholders to to grab their attention. They they decide in a few minutes or one minute if you're worth listening to. Um, what I because what you're referring to is kind of inverted principle, the principle pyramid, pyramid principle. Yeah. <laughs> Very difficult word. Um, so starting with the the most important first or the key uh, the key insight. Um, Brent Dykes always says, okay, I I sometimes it can help for for uh, very senior stakeholders who have very little time but what he says you can also have kind of a data trailer to show a few of the insights or build some tension so that they know it's worth listening and then still tell the whole story because if you give give away everything up front um the tension is gone right there's no tension um so so what are your what are your thoughts on that so for more executive more executive audiences uh pyramid principle or starting with the most important first or hooking people and then slowly build up to the main insight what do you think it's a good question and i think it depends on the context and the audience so if it's a more executive audience and especially a shorter meeting with many different stakeholders i do believe that the pyramid principle works better the reason being if you start to if you if you try the other approach and you start to you, you try to build some tension in the beginning, you might lose people throughout the way before hitting the main the main points. Um, so that's I, I would go with this one. But if it's either not executive or if it's maybe a longer meeting also to explore some ideas and not kind of an executive meeting, I definitely see the value in the the second approach you mentioned because I think it's more like a, a, it's actually more telling a story and you definitely build some tension and you make people curious about what's the main conclusion and then you just boom present the main conclusion and boom, there it is yeah so i think it's all about adapting to the audience and to the context as well something i do want to emphasize also from my experience is executive um when communicating with executive leaders one should communicate very simple and to the point the reason being they have so many things in their head so many topics they're always switching topics so they have so many meetings I think sometimes one likes to use fancy words and complex and complex things to try to impress. I actually think that's counterproductive. I think it works way better to have a simple communication, plain language to the point, focus on what really matters, short, concise, because at the end of the day, they have so much in their head that they struggle to absorb complex things because, I mean, at the end of the day, they cannot, <laughs> they're also humans and they cannot um, absorb things so fast when switching on exactly yeah and i see this quite a lot with data scientists and data analysts who want to include all the details or the technical methods they used or or how how significant it is you know what what are all the all the details around that um but most most of the people are not so interested you know they tr if if you're presenting there i hope they trust you uh, because you're the trusted advisor we talked about and they trust that you did the work, right? That you're a cap capable person who is not telling telling BS. And and if you're in that place, then you don't need to prove yourself by trying to sound smart or including all the methods because that's what people will, uh, will distract people instead of focused on your next step. Absolutely. And, and like maybe a few people will be interested in the methods, but they I can ask afterwards, right? Maybe some people will be interested in knowing more, or if they are interested, they will ask. So exactly as you mentioned, focus on what's what's most important and the technical details or how the sausage is made. Leave it for the Q and A, or maybe no one asks and and it's not really relevant. They trust you. Yeah. Exactly. Probably no one asks. Or maybe you can even include it in the appendix. If people ask about it, you can have the conversation when the executive leaves. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We talk a lot about curiosity, about about learning, and I'm curious, what is your number one place or thing or person you go to you you go to for your for learning i think for simple things my best friend is google <laughs> for quick questions i'm kidding i think uh, i try to crave some time to exchange thoughts with with experienced people in different fields 
but for instance, one of the initiatives I'm running, and I organize data leaders roundtables uh, at least once or twice a week, where I bring together six to eight data leaders to discuss to discuss strategic topics. This, is, for instance, one of the initiatives where I where I actually learn a lot and also try to contribute to the community. Um, so as I mentioned before, I learn mostly from people, exchanging thoughts with other people, sharing my ideas, asking questions, being curious. So I try to, to create opportunities to, to enable this, basically. So it can be these data list roundtables or just depends on the topic. But at the end of the day, spending quality time discussing ideas and, and sharing knowledge with, with other people. Awesome. That's also something I really enjoy and conversations like this. I, you know, when we hang up, when we close this recording, I've, I have a lot of new ideas and a lot of inspiration. So I'm happy you're also facilitating that for, for other people and thereby learning yourself. Absolutely. Um, you, uh, you talked about the decision gap in the beginning of this uh, conversation, mainly with data and business, but what are some of the best decisions you've taken in your life or career? Good question. Um, as I would say in my life, the one of the, the best decisions was getting out of the comfort zone and both studying and then working and living abroad. I think, so I was born and raised in Porto, studied there and the whole school system and then also university. And then when I went on Erasmus to abroad, so to Sweden, and then also and then I moved to Germany one one and a half years ago, more or less. I think this was one of the best decisions in, in terms of personal life. The reason being one is exposed to other cultures. It makes us reflect in different things, see how other cultures approach different um, topics, learn from other people, and, and just also understand that while we're all different at the core, we're all very similar. So that's very, that's very interesting. That's more on the personal life. I think work-wise, um, yeah, I think I, I mean it's a good question. Um, let me uh, let me respond to to what you're saying, and then you can think. Uh, uh, and meanwhile, I l I love that you bring up that we seem very different, but uh, on the other hand, we're all very uh, similar, right? Because from the outside, we see, we might seem very um, very different. I mean, we are, we both have dark hair, but we have a totally different background. We di speak different languages. We have a different background from studies, friends, family, everything. But still we have so many things in common. And I think that there's such a powerful way to look at the world and look at other people and see that they're different and think, hey, that makes me curious instead of, hey, this guy or, or girl or man or lady is, is different and that's why I will keep a distance. And I think, again, it comes down to this curiosity because that will drive so much of your learning and also the, the the empathy with people not just understanding what their goals are in the business world but also connecting with them on a personal level um, so i love that mindset because i think that mindset uh, brings everything we talked about in this conversation yeah absolutely and i think we're in a world where lots of people talk about diversity and that's where i see diversity playing a key role right it's also by having a diverse team you have people from different backgrounds and different cultures, different ways of approaching issues. And by just being curious about how other approach these questions, these topics, these issues, whatever, these challenges, one also learns and develops oneself. And we can we can kind of leverage the best of each of each person. So definitely. And I think yeah, I think so far what's what the one word that's that we're emphasizing a lot is curiosity. And I, I can just double down on that. Yeah. Fantastic. We're uh, nearing the end of the interview. I know you write a lot on uh, LinkedIn. And I, I, I follow you and I, I read your posts. I'm, I'm always very inspired, just like in this conversation now. Uh, so I would definitely recommend following uh, you on, on LinkedIn. Um, I will ask you more about where people can connect with you or follow you. But I also want to to know what, yeah, what is one big takeaway you want listeners to get from the episode? Maybe you shared it already or something else you want to emphasize. Yeah, I'm going to double down on curiosity. Just be curious about the people around you. And if you work in data, it's natural and it's really good that you're interested in data and understanding new data tools, improve your technical skills. But at the same time, be curious about the business side of things. Be curious about the business stakeholders work. Be curious about what's important to them. 
because I think while art skills are a requirement and are super important in a data role or any data for any data practitioner, soft skills is what moves the needle in closing all these gaps we've discussed and enabling you to deliver more business value and also have more fun because at the end of the day, we all like to feel we're valuable and we're helping other people and we're basically bringing value to the table and soft skills, communication skills, empathy, and less than at least curiosity um, are key for these and are kind of the last mile in closing this last mile and, and nailing analytics, I believe. Mm -hmm. I believe so too. Where can uh, people connect and, and follow you? Because I'm, I'm sure people want to know more and learn more from, uh, from you in the future. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I do post a lot on LinkedIn, usually three times a week. I, I cover these topics about the data analyst role, how to elevate it, how to increase the value of analytics. So I think LinkedIn is the best source. I'm getting started also on Twitter. And if you're also interested in participating in any data event, so I do organize in-person events in Berlin, but also other events remotely, so virtual through Zoom. So please feel free to reach out. And if you have any suggestions, feedback, or you just found something really interesting from this conversation, I would love to hear. And yeah, LinkedIn in general is definitely the best channel. Fantastic. So I hope many data-minded people will uh, will connect with you. Some data leaders will connect with you to to learn more and talk talk about curiosity, talk about data, talk about how to get bigger in business impact. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation, and we we could go on for for hours, I think. And I love that we took such a spontaneous approach and we actually we what we did is follow our curiosity right that's what i did i think also also what you did absolutely um so um i think it was a big episode about curiosity and learning and thanks uh, thanks for making the time for uh, for coming on the show i really appreciate it and uh maybe we do the next episode uh, someday i would love to thanks really appreciate it. i think it was really interesting and inspiring for me as well so I'm really glad. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Obrigado. <laughs> Nada. Ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Do you want people to listen to your data and increase your business impact? Then take my free email course or do the quick self-test of your data communication skills. Go to mindspeaking.com and start learning today.